Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined as I am every Sunday night for your Monday episode by the amazing, the incredible Jays. I got Jim Turvey, Joe Delera joining me, and we'll break down today. We're going to give you best bets for the Monday slate. Only four games as the NBA crams a couple back-to-backs in before the big tournament night Tuesday slate, which we'll have a best bets episode for you. And then, as we always do, we're going to take a futures look on Monday. And this week, our topic du jour, I asked the fellas what they were thinking of, and they wanted to talk about DPOI. And looking at the market, we got some interesting stuff. So you're going to want to see what we come up with. And if you want to track the bets that we come out of from this episode and from the analysis with, you can do it in the award-winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. A helpful feature is the line move alerts. So especially for football, obviously, it's really huge when you got key numbers. But the other thing that you can do is you can track stuff like, hey, all right, I, I bet this under last night, and now the total has gone up and up and up and up and up. You might, like, that gives you an idea of, like, all right, look, the steam is heading the other direction. You can either double down and get a better number, or you can buy out of the position because it's rare that you're going to get middled on the, the total. Not impossible, but those kind of things are helpful, and you can find that in the award-winning Action Network app. You can also catch this podcast in there. Another place you can catch it is on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com slash The Action Network. Hit like and subscribe. Uh, we're working on some live show stuff for the NBA. You've got Action Island. You've got the Power Hours. You've got so much cool content. Check it out at youtube.com slash the Action Network. All right, guys, let's get started. We'll go ahead and we'll go around the table. Jim, we're going to start with you. Give me your best bet for the Monday slate. Yeah, I like the Cavs money line. And once it drops, I'm be looking at Keegan Murray points. I want to see how much the books adjust. There's no number right now, though. 
yeah, so uh, De'Aaron Fox not expected to play in this one. Early indications are that he's not going to play, and therefore uh, this line has moved a little bit. It was one and a half. It is now two and a half. Money line on the Cavs. Uh, still plus 100 so you do don't you are not having to pay the juice right now in the market on that joe delara what's your best bet for the tuesday slate i like the Cavs along with jim but i'm going to chris stapps porzingis over two and a half threes or 18 and a half points uh whichever you prefer i am actually gonna set this one out i was gonna do Cavs money line but if you like it jim and you like it joe and i take it that de- that bet is dead as fuck in the water so i am going to go ahead and take the hit here and not go ahead and post this and la- allow us to get that win on that one there's no way a triple like survives uh, on the buckets podcast so nothing for me on this slate um i looked at the board i will say this i i like the celtics a little bit versus the knicks the Knicks, unfortunately, under Tibbs, like the whole thing on, on Tibbs teams is like they try so hard and they work so hard. Under Tibbs, the Knicks are 64% ATS on second nights of a back-to-back on Sega Babas. So I can't go there. Like I, I want to. I show value on the number. I also will say that like my projections right now think that the Knicks suck ass. And I don't think the Knicks suck ass. I think their offense is stabilizing a little bit. Now, before the show, Joe mentioned that one reason they've been a lot better is like, you know, RJ Barrett's playing really well. And that makes me think, well, maybe they're not stabilizing. Maybe this is just a blip. (laughs) I don't think that that's going to hold. But in general, the Knicks defense is really good. This could be like a real grinded out game. Um, We've seen the Celtics kind of like first game, right? Like Celtics kind of struggle with some of the offensive stuff that the Knicks are able to do defensively. So I'm going to stay away from it. Um, Let's go to Jim. Uh, Cavs here, a small dog on the road coming off of a big win versus the Warriors. Little bit of a letdown spot, right? Kings are trying to survive, starting to stabilize a little bit without De'Aaron Fox, but they're still struggling versus pretty rough teams at home. Um, Why do you like the Cavs, particularly in this game? Yeah, I think it's partially liking the Cavs, but also looking to fade the Kings. Um, I faded, I tried to fade the Kings uh, over the weekend, and they were able to beat the Thunder. The Thunder were unable to to beat them. I was on the Thunder in that game. But the, the Kings have looked pretty rough without De'Aaron Fox. He's listed as doubtful right now. Um, this is going to change a little bit if, if the news comes that he somehow is playing. Um, but given the fact that this line has already moved towards the Cavs, that, that tells me that the market does not think he's playing. And without him, they they really have not looked good. You know, they they were able to grind out that win over the weekend against the Thunder, as mentioned. But that was a game in which the Thunder starters made a combined two threes amongst all of them, all five of them. Uh, it was it was not a good shooting night for Thunder. Um, flip side of that, the Cavs, um, you know, now that they have everyone back, they have you know you mentioned that win over the Warriors. They had two wins over the Warriors in the last three games. They did drop the the game in between ironically to the thunder uh the thunder shot about twice as well from three in that game that they beat the uh the Cavs and they did in the loss to the king so that, in the nba it's always a little bit of a make or miss league so you know we gotta hope that we get out on the, the the good side of that more often but for me this this comes down to looking to fade the kings a little bit and and thinking the market's maybe a touch behind on a, a Cavs team that now is fully healthy um, and, and I, I think, you know, by preseason numbers, we all had as, as one of the strongest teams in the East and, and this number isn't quite getting there. So, um, I think you said that it, the number already moved on the spread to about two and a half. Uh, that's a, like a round to where I'd like it to minus three. I still like that money line at plus 100. I'd probably take it to around, you know, minus one Oh five, maybe minus minus one ten. Yeah, there's a minus two in the market as well. Uh, total in this game is two twenty four. I show a lot of value on the under surprisingly in part because the, uh, Cavaliers defense is so good. I, I get, you know, it's early in the season. So I kind of like, I want to like 
the Cavs on this road trip because it's early season. Um, sometimes it's a good thing for you. Like, like you go off, you get this win versus the Warriors. Um, you're rolling. You're kind of like getting, they've got their guys back. So they're kind of settling in. I show a lot of value on this. Like I show this is like, it should, I have got this Cavs minus four right now with, with Fox out. Like that's where I think the line should be is I think the Cavs should be four point favorites here. I don't think the Kings are like, even with home court, I don't think that the Kings are that much better than the Cavs. I just don't think that that, that that's appropriate. Um, but like I said, I will take the hit there. Joe, you also like this game. Why do you like it? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is that the Kings offense just is really not the same without De'Aaron Fox. They score about 12 points less, uh, per actually 16 points less per game over the past two seasons from 122 down to 106, 107 or so. Um, I think that that's just too significant of an edge. And like Jim said, I think the numbers are like a little sticky still right now where the Cavs, you know, kind of struggled a little bit out the gate, but then now like they're whole, they're intact. And that defense is legit um, when you have both Mobley and Allen. So I really think that the Kings are going to struggle to score. And, you know, the Kings are probably going to run a lot of their offense through DeMontis Sabonis. And that's about as tough of a matchup for Sabonis as you can possibly have with Mobley and Allen there. So I think that that's one way that Cleveland kind of neutralize the Kings best player. I'm very sad I'm not on this with you guys, but I will take I will I will I will sacrifice for the greater good. Uh, all right, uh, Joe, you like Porzingis threes two and a half plus one forty um, or points eighteen and a half. Um, or I'm assuming you would like a same game parlay if things were to be there. Uh, what's your cap yeah. on Porzingis' scoring ability versus the Knicks? I mean, basically, it's you know, it's funny because Mitchell Robinson talked about defending Wemby, and he did a really a great job <laughs> yeah. the other day. And it was funny because he was like, you know, it's like defending Porzingis. Um, but ironically enough, like Wemby, he kind of just missed a lot of like good looks. I felt I thought he ha- kind of had, and those are shots that Porzingis, you know, as a you know, he's he's got a much more tenured career, uh, and he's been a great offensive player, and he's kind of taken advantage of those opportunities against the Knicks even this year and over the past couple of years. Um, over his last four games against the Knicks, he's made five, five, four, and four uh, threes, uh, including the opener this season. And he gets a lot of good looks. And I think in part, it's because he's able to stretch Mitchell Robinson out onto the perimeter. And that's just a tougher, much tougher assignment for Robinson than you know is he's typically handled or tasked with handling. So I like Porzingis to do that. Um, I think that it's one of those spots where he likes the challenge of kind of playing against the Knicks uh, because I feel like there is like a good amount of like bad blood, obviously with the way, you know, he was traded out, traded away from New York based on like some of the requests and stuff, but he always kind of shows up and performs well in New York. So I was saying you could take either the points or the threes because it has relatively the same hit rate. Um, But I do lean the threes at the current number because the numbers around like plus 150 as opposed to minus 110 on the points. So if the, if the juice kind of comes down and you're starting to see like, the two and a half threes closer to like plus 110. I would probably just go to the points just because of the fact that you have a little bit more flexibility. But at plus 150, I think there's significantly more value on the threes instead of just the points. If Porzingis scores over 19 points and hits more than, um, hits three or more threes, is what, what are the odds of the Knicks win this game? Um, probably, I, I don't know if it necessarily matters like 
too too much um because obviously like it means that Porzingis like Porzingis has historically played pretty well against the Knicks um plus like the number that we're looking at is what like plus eight and a half um I don't really like taking the Celtic I wouldn't really want to add the Celtics money line into that number one for my Knicks bias but number two um I don't really like adding the like the minus 300 or so right because I just think it's an added okay. variable that isn't necessarily okay. correlated with Porzingis's like with the Celtics winning per se um because it probably means that he's taking spread. away usage from somebody else well if he didn't alt spread though if you're saying the only day and a half I'm just saying look <laughs> If you think I'm having a hard time, even though I think the Knicks offense has gotten better again, um, the RJ Barrett factor, like I have a hard time believing that if the Celtics are able to get 20 points out of Porzingis. That would mean that like Jalen Brown has melted into the earth. If this goes like under and the Knicks win this game, like, <laughs> yeah, I, Jason Tatum, I mean, Jason Tatum's going to do what Jason Tatum does like, yeah, we'll, we'll just pencil just- in Jason Tatum for 25. Yeah, he just he just does what he does. I mean, I think that it's a tougher assignment for Brown just generally because RJ's been better defensively this year anyway. Um, and I know like that's been a little at least his offensive numbers have been a little bit uh, you know tenuous. Like I'm not yeah. super confident in that being consistent, but I think the defense is there, the efforts there, and then the Knicks have like a bunch of different guys to kind of throw on their point guard play. You know, whether it's quickly Grimes, um, Brunson's obviously not the best defender, um, but you know you have quickly and Grimes, you have Josh Hart. Uh, I, I kind of like what the Knicks can do to stifle some of the perimeter players like Drew, Derek White, and um, and Jalen Brown. But obviously, you know, Tatum kind of eats whenever. So I think this is a Porzingis game for, for Boston. Okay. Um, hey, Matt, for me can I... I... Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Oh, just really briefly, I realized I forgot to touch on the, the Keegan Murray thing I mentioned at the beginning. The prop isn't out right now, and I'll be very curious to see uh, played it last game and it hit even though I was fading the Kings I like um, his usage goes up a lot he gets a lot more shots with with Fox out so if Fox is out um, the two games so far he's gotten 17 field goal attempts each game last game he got up 10 threes so I'm be looking at his points over if they hang like below 20 again and I might even look towards an alt because if he gets some shooting luck from three on that he really can put up a pretty big number so um Keep an eye on that. I'll, I'll post something in the app if I like the number. But uh, Keegan Murray is definitely a look, even though I'm not looking to play the Kings per se. Um, that's also not the strongest spot in the the Cavs uh, lineup defensively. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be looking to Keegan Murray uh, tomorrow as well. Okay. Those are your best bets for the Monday slate. Cavs money line, the Keegan Murray prop, and Kristaps and Porzingis over on threes. Two and a half plus threes at what was the number you got on that on the juice plus 150 plus 150 150 very nice as always you can shop for those in the action network app pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely but when it comes to a great shave you don't have to shell out tons of cash harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced underperforming products and decided to do something better They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most. 
when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's talk about some futures. So you guys want to talk about DPOY. I think it's a fascinating market. Uh, as show sponsor, BetMGM, uh, you do have a number of uh, some interesting I think a little bit of stickiness, a little bit, uh, surprisingly to me. Let's start at the top, because I think that this is like an interesting one. There's some numbers I think are way off, and we'll get to why. But let's talk about the default here, because I think it, it's good to talk about the guy that's at the absolute top of this list, which is bajillion time winner, Rudy Gobert. Uh, Rudy Gobert is plus 600 right now to win this award. And I personally actually think that this is probably... A little bit wrong. And the reason I think it's a little bit wrong, the number's off, and I think it's too short. Um, I think that this is a very good number for November. And what I mean by that is, oh, like everyone's just like, hey, look at the Wolves. Number one defense. Like I've been touting them because I'm like, number one defense with the number one strength of schedule defensively as well. Looks like they're going to win 50 plus games. All of this stuff is like, you can win, like multiple time winners tend to win this award. Brandon Anderson talked about that on our DPOY episode. Mm-hmm. Like all of these things kind of check the boxes. I think the problem is that when we get like under the hood a little bit of some of these, we start to see that Rudy might not be necessarily the dominant defensive force that he was with Utah and that voters would probably eventually find enough of that to go in a different direction given how long the season is joe um let's start with you what are your kind of thoughts on rudy gobert being the favorite right now for dpoi i mean i think it makes sense like right now right based on like what's what we've seen so far the season's 10 percent over and i think some of the underlying data on minnesota because like you have to have a top defense minnesota has the number one defense i know some of these teams that and some of these players that we're going to talk about i think that they have some like potential for regression in terms of their defense but minnesota the one thing that i do like is their shot profile in terms of what they allow they're number one in allowed effective field goal percentage and they're fourth in expected allowed so those numbers are actually not very far apart and I like that because I think that what they're doing defensively like schematically should continue to work like the shots that they're allowing they're also stopping them pretty well and they're containing their opponents taking the shots that really they want them to take like they're not getting high percentage looks or anything like that so I think that in that regard it does make a lot of sense I think that the problem with this spot is basically like still how many trade rumors are swirling around Minnesota like about Carl Anthony Towns and it's like well like number one like why like I'm still a little surprised like right now that there's that many like rumors or that there's like the rumor mills kind of like that but obviously like if there was a trade that sent Carl Anthony Towns out I think that that could dramatically reshape the way that Minnesota plays basketball and if that happens there's going to always be like that type of learning period or there's going to be some sort of curve and I wonder how much that maybe impacts the defense overall so I think that what you're also saying too is that Minnesota's defense has been excellent as a team and there might be some things that as the season kind of goes along uh, you kind of notice that maybe there's some other players in Minnesota that are 
equally responsible for the defensive uptick. I don't want to bet. So I think you can bet wings more than you used to be able to. Yeah. Um, I don't want to bet for a wing on a team with another great defensive player. Yeah. Like I only want to bet a wing if it's like, how is this team any good defensively? Oh, like their wing defender is amazing and he just does yeah. everything. That's like the spot for it. So like, even yeah. though I think Jade McDaniels has been arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA thus far, uh, I don't want to play it because there will always be, and this is, it's kind of like the MVP thing, right? Where it's like, well, I can't vote for Curry. He's got KD. I can't vote for KD. He's got Curry. I can't do, yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing where it's like, look, yeah, Jaden McDaniels gets to play over aggressive on the perimeter because he's got Rudy Gobert backing him up, covering up for everything because nobody can get to the rim. And on the other yeah. side, it's, well, yeah, of course, Rudy's like dominant on the interior. He's got Jaden McDaniels hounding the best the offensive wing player and always funneling him to the right spot. So like, there's kind of like a defeat. I think a, a double split vote effect that can occur there. And that kind of negates both of them where neither one of them gets the requisite yep. credit. Jim, do you have thoughts on this? Yeah. I think what I find so interesting about this award right now is it really, uh, to me, it's like a very different approach. If you are a portfolio better or a, I want one person to bet. Now that's the case for a lot of these markets at all times, but I think this one in particular right now, I, I think you can almost, obviously it's early in season, but I, I think you can really leverage a few of the longer shots who are going to be top five, but I don't think are going to be winners. But I really like picking up a few of them right now. And I, I actually do think that Gobert should be the favorite. I think that that's priced accurately. Um, but I don't want to get him right now. I want to get the surrounding guys that I think are going to make up the rest of the top five right now and give myself that. You always talk about that. Like, what are you willing to pay in... And, you know, going from plus 600 down to plus maybe 250 by by March or April, that's a, that's a long time. But it also, you know, the number, it cuts in half, which is a, a big thing. But if you've, if you've kind of built your portfolio along the way to give you the pieces, then you can really go heavy on Gobert then when it's at plus 250. So I'm sure we'll talk through some of these guys. But my, my thought right now is I do think Gobert should be the favorite. But I think a, I think two things. I think we can build out the, the the rest of the top five around him potentially at much longer numbers right now. And I think that B, he hasn't played 82 games, you know, in four or five years at this point. At some point, he's going to roll an ankle. Wait till he's like a week or two into that, and his number has dropped maybe a little bit. And again, that's what we always talk about. These wait for those times. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is the buzziest time for Gobert. Like you said, they their defense has been incredible to start the season, and he is starting to get that that buzz again. So let's wait on this moment, and instead let's build up the rest of the portfolio so that if we need to, you know, bite the bullet at the end of the season and be like, you know what, he he didn't get hurt this season, and it the number only went down. We didn't get a chance to jump. We got to do it. But you have such a good portfolio, you're like, all right, that's fine. We can leverage those pieces. So I, yeah. my approach as a portfolio better for, for this time of season, grab these lo- longer numbers. I think are people that are potentially going to be around in the race and then wait on Gobert until there's a better time. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those options. Um, I am curious why you think he is appropriately priced as the favorite. Uh, well, I think I, so I do weigh the, the prior result a lot. We're going to, we'll talk through some sure. of these names. I'm with you. I'm with, I, I don't know if it's Joe or Matt here in the doc that the, some of the next three names I think are, are very poorly priced. Um, I think there's a few like like Victor being in the top three or four, whatever he is right now, I think is ridiculous. I, I don't think he is going to be there at the end of the season, in part because I think the team defensive rating is such a key part of this. It's proven time and time again. And because there are very few, you know, let alone defensive player of the year, there's very few, I think there's five players all time who've even been named all defense in their rookie season. So that's to me is like the buzziest of buzz. And that, that number is, is way off to me. But, but Gobert, I, I think... 
we'll, we'll talk through some of these names, but I don't think anyone right now has the quality of reputation, the, the previous results, and the mm. team defense that yeah. I think is sustainable yeah. throughout the year. So I, I think he has the best of those three key factors to me. Okay. Um, one of the things we talked about when we did the how to bet DPOY over the summer, we should kind of start with this, is you know Brandon's got got different fits. You can go listen to that episode to find more guidelines on it. And I can remember most of it, but not all of it. The biggest thing is that last year I asked seven voters. I said, hey, I'd like to get your thought process on DPOY. What's the first thing that you look at? And I was like, I'm not looking for names. I was like, I'm not looking for a straw poll. I want to know about your process. Like, what what is it that you look for? And the and six of the six of them said, I look at team defensive rating first. Yeah, it's yeah. Do you have an elite defense? Right. Which, to be perfectly honest with you, is not great process. Like, I'm not <laughs> blaming those people. I get it because you're like, well, clearly, if you're if you have a great like, in order for me the best defensive player, your defense has to be great. I don't know that that's true. I actually think I agree. That, like, <laughs> like Drew Holiday was to me the best defender in the league when he was in New Orleans for about four years, and the Pelicans' defensive rating was shit. Um, you know, yeah. I, which is surprising considering he played with top seventy-five player and noted best defensive player in the league by some people, Anthony Davis. But that's another conversation <laughs> for another fucking day. Um, <laughs> always, always push the vendetta, Joe. You got to always push the, the <laughs> always, vendetta. Um, <laughs> but. But so, but regardless, that's like a, a starting point. And so if you're listening to this and you don't have the numbers handy, I'll just tell you, Minnesota is the best defense in the league. Boston is second. Cleveland is third. Orlando is fourth, which there's not a candidate for Orlando. Like you can go through yeah. it. It's Jalen no. Suggs. Maybe. It's Suggs. Yeah. It's Suggs, yeah. which like Suggs. And, uh, and Suggs is not, and we can agree Suggs is not going to win. Can we agree on that? <laughs> we can no, agree on that. Okay. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, Suggs is not going to win. The Knicks are fifth. And we're going to talk about the New York Knicks here in a second. Um, I think it's very interesting that the Miami Heat are sixth. No surprise. I'll be talking about that in a second. The Sixers are seventh. Uh, this is before S- Sunday night's games. The Nuggets are eighth. The Raptors are ninth. And the Memphis Grizzlies, despite being now two and eight, are tenth. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the numbers that are way off. Okay. In uh, over at MGM, Jaron Jackson is the third favorite at plus 800. Now, I just told you that the Memphis Grizzlies, despite being two and eight, and despite the fact that they have to basically always be be sprinting back because they can't make a shot, their offense is so horrifically terrible, they are still 10th in defense. Uh, by the way, just just real quick here, so I'm on, on record about this, defense is systemic. If they fire Taylor Jenkins for this start, it is absolutely reprehensible and the dumbest coach firing since Michael Malone. Go ask the Kings how that worked out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I digress. I still think plus 800, like, I'm not saying, I want to get Jim's thoughts on this, because I'm not saying that Jaron can't win. He can. I'm saying, like, why would you buy it now when the Grizzlies look at, abso- like, I don't think you're buying low on Jaron. This is basically saying, like, yeah, the Grizzlies might fit, wind up missing the playoffs entirely and being below 500, but somehow Jaron's still going to win DPOY for the second straight year. I don't know that I can get into that. Like, I don't disagree with Jaron having value as a player. I don't like him being the third favorite here, even at eight to one, given how badly things have started for Memphis. There is like a surrounding, oh, the Grizzlies had a bad season that I think would seep into those conversations, even if the defense was great. Maybe Jop fixes everything. Um, I don't think this is a buy spot for Jaron Jackson. Jim, what do you think? No, and I... 
I misspoke a little bit. So I said the next three players I thought were horribly mispriced. It's actually the tier right below that. So I, I think Mobley yeah. is decently priced as second favorite. Um, I think Jaron Jackson, like, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't buy at this point, but I also, I'm not like, I don't think this is horrendously mispriced. I don't think it should be 20 to one or something like that. It's the three guys after that. It's Victor, Anthony Davis, Brooke Lopez, and even Giannis to agree that I, I don't think those should be the four names after that. Right partly because of team defense and partly because of health and partly because of a million factors there. I don't think those four names, but I'm, I'm fine with Jaron being third. I do think it's a little bit short for me to want to play it right now. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, we have seen about as bad of a start to the season from, from Memphis as, as imaginable. Um, and even though jaw coming back, isn't going to help the defense theoretically. I just think that, the, that that's a team that there are weird, <laughs> they, they need to just, start fresh right and like I, I could see them being a top five defense the rest of the season so i i'm not going to totally write off jaron he's him and mobley to be honest are two of the names i really want to see how it plays out with gobert over this next stretch like that's the information collecting i'm not looking to add them like to, to me those aren't long enough shots to leverage at right. this point let's let's get the information between the, those three favorites and let's cut out some of that next tier to me who i think are are kind of flooding the market at prices i think are, are not at all accurate yeah, Joe. So like, I just, for me, this is, I know this is the struggle. Cause I, I do tend to note this, that, you know, we, we talk about buying low so much in betting conversations. If you're really buying yeah. low, it's not going to feel good. Like you're not going to be like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, love this bet right now. The Grizzlies are a tire fire rolling downhill. This is amazing. <laughs> Super want this right now. I think there's a balance between buying low and recognizing like when that turn has happened, right? You yeah. see like, okay, they're going to, they're going to pull out of this. They're on the upswing. They have the dead cat bounce, whatever. Like they've hit rock bottom and are, and are on the way back up. Yeah. You have to be able to, I think, identify that first. And I don't know that a win over the Clippers, they, they are two and two with a terrible loss to Utah in some questionable officiating, but that's what happens to everybody. You should beat Utah at home. I'm sorry. Um, I, I just, I can't, I don't, I need more signs of life from Memphis. And then like, if I see any sort of push, I'll be like, okay, I'll probably want Jaron, but I don't know if I'll want the price at that point. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think that if you want to buy Jaron, like you kind of are banking on the Grizzlies improving, right? So like at the current mm-hmm. number, Jaron's eight to one to win DPOI, like they're plus 850 to win the division. Um, like, I think that like, I'd rather back Memphis to like, just perform better overall as a team because then like it can encompasses jaw coming back at some point, presumably, um, you know, it encompasses them probably improving overall, like maybe getting a little bit of regression in terms of like what's going on on the court. Um, I think the number at eight to one is just not one that I'm super interested in, especially because I think that most of us like here anyway, like I have a preseason bet on Jaron at like six, plus 650. So it's like, I like I didn't even really get anything by the Grizzlies having this atrocious start 10, like 10% yeah. of, the, of the season, you know, is done. Um, so I, I think it's really not worth opening a Jaron position at this point in time. But like, if I didn't have a Grizzlies position and I was like, eh, I think they could turn it around. Um, I think that that's maybe like the better way to play 
the Jaron DPOY because I think that like you're right. Um, they're tenth right now. Job ja probably doesn't really help the defense. Maybe it does just because of like what they can do in transition or something like that, uh, and like the way the team kind of is going to go because they're going to be playing a little bit more probably off of makes as opposed to in transition defensively. But I think that that's that's kind of the way you have to look at it and just hope that you know if you want to open a Jaron position, I think you really just got to wait. And you know I, I think it's okay to not have one right at this point in time. I know that uh, Jim's aching to get to the, the value on here, but I do want to go through some of the other numbers that I think are, are off here. Uh, Victor at plus 900 <laughs> is laughable. Like, this crazy. is a joke. Yeah. I'm like, crazy. Now, uh, that, that number is the, the citation is going to be like, well, look at how good their defense is when he's on the floor. It's not going to. One, I don't think that there's any shot ever that they ever give it to a rookie. Two, yeah. like, again, I just told you, team defense is going to be like the, the deciding factor. Regardless of how, how good they are when he's on the floor, you do wind up getting impacted by the off minutes. And that's not fair, but it's accurate. Also, he's just not that good of a defender yet. Like, he's foul prone. He's going to get bodied. Like, all of these things are ridiculous. Like, this is a ridiculous yeah. number. The other one that's off to me is AD 11-1. Uh, I'm curious on Jim's thoughts. Look, notoriously, pr- pretty critical of AD over here. Uh, he is the stocks leader. I'll say that he leads the NBA in steals plus blocks. That's a really good metric for DPOI. Just rack up a lot of steals, rack up a lot of blocks. He's rebounding well. Um, the problem for me is just simply the Lakers. The Lakers defense is not good. It is it is subpar. It is poor. It is bad. And as long as that is the case, you're never going to get me to, to bite on a DPOI bet um, because you have to have again one of these top five. Defenses, at least top seven, I think is probably where you got to get to. The Lakers are currently twentieth in defensive rating. Yeah. Um, could they play better? Sure, but you know, it's like, well, when they get healthy, okay, all right. They got Rui Hachimura back the other night. Good win over the Suns. Van, like Vando is not going to turn them into a top five defense. No, they're they're still enough minutes with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves getting absolutely barbecued. Cam Reddish helps. He's he defended pretty well the other night. I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, but until like, look, if, if the Lakers get to within 12, if it's like, oh man, they jumped from 17 to 12. Okay. We can start talking about it. But, uh, Jim, I, I don't think ad has got a shot as long as one, we're always going to have the injury issues Two, the Lakers entire season narrative is that they're underperforming and three, the defense has been bad. Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of names to get to. Honestly, I'm just going to say I, you hit every point I was going to hit. It was, it was going to be, you're, you're paying too short of a price right. for the injury history plus the team defense. So let's, let's skip him. I'm with you hundred percent. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and unleash you, Jim, Like, go ahead and get me the names. Let's throw <laughs> the names. You think, the long shot that you think that, that you have, you think of value. Okay. There. <laughs> all right there's a trio there's three names i'm skipping ahead we can we can circle back because there is a little a little middle tier as well that i think is interesting but the three names if we're if we're going to jump ahead to a couple of value plays i think that could really get leveraged well at the end of the season um there's three guys at 50 to 1 at bet mgm um you can get even a little bit longer numbers you if you could shop around but the three that are jumping to me uh mitchell robinson Jaden mcdaniels christoph sporzingis so Mitchell Robinson, I know, is the one that's probably going to get the the feistiest here. So, so let's lead with with Mitchell. I I actually want to hit Joe had some really good numbers um, down in the dock. So I'll, I'll kick it to you, Joe, because I know you had some good stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, I lo- obviously love Mitchell Robinson, like my Knicks fan in me, right? But my concern with the Knicks and the number, like I think the number is great, like fifty to one, sixty to one is great. Like I, I like I love that, right? Um, I think the problem with 
New York's defense, like overall as a team, is that, and they've been kind of getting lucky, like in previous years, like what was it, two years ago, they had a great defense. And it was one of those, like you looked at the numbers and it made absolutely no sense. And it was like they were allowing like the highest frequency of three pointers in the league. And then teams were shooting like literally bottom 5% on those threes. Part of it, I think, has to do with like the Tibbs mentality, like the hustle, the closing out. But it's something that I think is very, very tenuous. And like right now, they're 14th best in effective field goal percentage allowed, but 23rd expected. So to me, like that signifies that there should be some defensive regression there. And then even like a little bit would take New York out of a top like five to seven range, probably into like 10 to 10 to 12, right? And then I think that changes the profile for this. Mitch, though, great. He's tied for fourth in defensive win shares at 0.6. So I think the number for Mitch is long. Um, do I think he could win? I think it's unlikely, um, given the fact that, like, I think he's a great defender. I think that he's gotten better as he's gotten less foul prone. But my concern with Mitch, it's like it kind of goes back to the Porzingis cap, right? Like, those are types of players that he struggles to defend. Like, he has, like, a clear weakness in terms of what his defensive abilities are. A lot of these guys do, but Mitch's is, like, he really struggles with, like, that stretch five. And that's something that in today's NBA I think is so important to be able to cover that it I, it makes it hard for me to bet on Mitch in the spot. I'm going to give my full take on this, which is going to just drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> um, I want to ask this question up front, Jim. Are you going to get off this call and are you going to bet on Mitchell Robinson? Okay, so here I did do a poor job. So those are three names that I I will bet, but it's going to be a very small amount because I and I don't see any of the three winning. To me, this is the Brook Lopez bet from last year. I did not see Brook Lopez winning, but it was such a valuable chip. And if one of those chips plays out, I think one or two or probably not all three, one or two of those guys could well be in the race at the end of the season. I do not see any of the three winning. I I do want to be clear with that, but I think that doesn't mean it's not a useful bet. So no, I I totally agree. Cause like what you're saying here um, to kind of put this in perspective for, for newer buyers, if you're listening, if you hit Brooke early last year, and I'll be, be perfectly honest with you. I never bet Brooke. I bet everybody else in case somebody else snuck up, but like, (laughs) I never bet Brooke because I never thought he was going to win, which meant that the entire last two months of the season, while that number kept <laughs> dropping, I had to sweat and be like, no one I've talked to thinks it's Brooke. No voter I've talked to thinks it's Brooke. Every indication is that it's not going to be Brooke. And the books were like, oh, God, shorten this. Brooke Lopez has got to be a favorite now versus like Jim, yeah. who like puts big position when Brooke is a long shot and gets to hammer then Jaron at the yeah. end of the year at a shorter number because he's playing against basically a two-man race with him and Brooke. So the key here is like, if it turns into Mitchell Robinson versus Jaron Jackson, and you already got Mitchell Robinson at 50 to one, you can add to that, or you could just go back the other way and and bet the hell out of whoever winds up in a two-man race of it, because we will see it wind up being either a two-man or a three-man race. And so that's how you build that portfolio. I can't, I look, I put this in the doc as like the make-believe hour on Mitchell Robinson. (laughs) Like if you can't sell a Knicks fan, <laughs> and I and I, I I look, I gotta be honest with you. So I I looked at two numbers for this, most in particular because EPM defensive EPM is not out yet yeah. to be out this week over dunks and threes. Um, here are the leaders for 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 steals, blocks, and rebounds per game. These are dumb stats. I want to be very clear on that. These stats should should not impact like who's the best defender in the NBA. And this is just like 
historically how the voters have voted, because to be quite honest with you, this award is beyond the scope of what voters can do. And I say that as somebody that's very defensive of the voter block. Like, I think a lot of the voters take like a lot of time and are considerate and careful and they weigh a lot of good factors. And I think most of the time they get it right. And then sometimes Kendra Perkins says something and they vote for Joel Embiid. But in general, they do a very good job of like leveraging all this information. But defense is impossible. The metrics are never going to give you a clear enough view. The smartest analytics people that I know are still like, we have very little usable information on defense in terms of a clear picture. You can correlate from a lot of different places, which is what I try and do. You have to do the film work. And like a beat writer covering the Rockets doesn't have time to sit down and watch 2000 Jaron Jackson defensive possessions. You just don't have time, right? MVP, you can actually sit down and you just go through, I'm going to go through every single point they generated. And you can do that. Like to be honest with you, I'm a sicko. So I do that. Defense is way worse because there's so many possessions where they're not even involved. They're just like on the court, right? It's impossible. So anyway, steals, blocks, rebounds. Anthony Davis is number one. Rudy Gobert is number two. Okay, so this we're checking out right here with the big names. Aiton's number three. Good for him. Uh, Jokic is fourth. That's hilarious. Sabonis is fifth. That's also hilarious. Embiid is sixth. That kind of tracks. Seventh is Mitchell Robinson. And now if you look at all of these players and then you look at uh, on-court defensive rating, it's Rudy Gobert, and then it's going to be Mitchell Robinson. And so, like, this yeah. correlates pretty well. This also strengthens Rudy Gobert's case for for being the favorite, as Jim mentioned. Um, I don't think it's – I think you're right. It's a wrong number at 50-1. to 1. Like, he's going to rebound like a madman. He's going to generate enough blocks, and if the Knicks defense is good enough. What's interesting is the Knicks defense is only two points better with him on the court than off, but that's a number that I will look at and most voters won't. R.J. Barrett has the uh, second best defensive rating in the NBA behind, by the way, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert's teammate. Um, I'm sorry, third. It's Tatum, Anthony Edwards. This is a minimum 30 minutes. It's Edwards, Tatum, and then R.J. Barrett, then Rudy Gobert. Mitchell's not necessarily on that list, but I agree, Joe. Like, there's probably value here just based off of 50 to 1. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that you know, if you want to build a portfolio, because I think that most of us, like, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're like, we're telling you, like, this is how I'm constructing my portfolio. I think that mm. he's probably a position that you want, especially because if you remember, even like last year when we were talking about most improved and like, I, you know, it was like Brunson was a candidate, right? But it's always like, and then quickly, even for six man of the year, right? It's like you have these guys and when they're from New York, you get a New York bump. And like, it's something that I think you need to account for in these awards that are not just like statistically based, especially defensive player of the year, where it's much harder, like you mentioned, to find like a specific stat or, or anything direct. And it's like New York's playing a lot of games, like they're playing, well, everybody plays the same amount of games, but they're playing a lot of games on national TV. They've got a lot of eyes on them. It's the Knicks. And then it's like, that's always something that you should consider just based on these narrative awards, because, you know, you maybe you're going to see like, less games of the Minnesota Timberwolves, even as good yeah. as they are, you're just not going to see yeah. as many. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Hey, Matt. Um, so yeah, my part of my goal was to bring up these three names and then us talk it out. And if, you know, if we want to log one, I think logging one of these three is the best. So can we t- touch on the other two briefly? Yeah. My thought is actually, so I, I think of the three, I think JD McDaniels is both the most likely to be in the top five at the end of the season and the least likely to win. But I kind of like that as oh. of the three at 50 to one, I think I like it potentially most as the, the best chip, but I want to hear what both of you guys think as well. 
I think it's hard to take it from Rudy, to be honest with you. Like, because voters are going to go, like, is this a McDaniels thing, like, as good as he is? Or, like, even think about it. Like, it reminds me of Boston a couple of years ago, right? When Rob, when Mark Smart won. If Robert Williams didn't get hurt, Robert Williams is going to win that award. And I think it's like similar. Like I think they generally like are going to want to go to the big, just based on the way that the stats are. And Rudy obviously has the pedigree. It's like a safe vote. Whereas like Jaden McDaniels, I think you're right. Like he's probably least likely to win, but I think he has direct competition from his own team, which makes it harder. What because if I think that like, what if Rudy misses? There. What if Rudy misses like 17, 18 games though, and suddenly he's at like sixty games played? They have the top defense. He can't get voted it, and it's like, well, let's vote Jaden to reward that defense. I think the defense can hold, but I don't think that the market moves enough yeah. to to force us to to bet it mm. now. Yeah, like, like I think if, bet, if Rudy, go ahead. I would say yeah, if Rudy gets hurt, you could just bet it then. Like Jaden's not going to yeah. move from fifty to one. Gotcha. Yeah. He's just he's just not going to move. Like he's not. He just, like I that don't correlated think market there. will not will not shift. Like if Rudy gets hurt, win totals, playoff odds, etc. Like the direct team markets will move, but there won't be a direct. I don't. I don't. Even if there is like a slight move on on, if anything with Jaden, it's probably going to be he moves longer because they're going to be like, oh, yeah. the the Wolves defense won't be as good. The voters like they have to know Jaden McDaniel's is dynamite. They have to know. And when his extension got announced, people were like, mm-hmm. what? Like, what is that? Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, we're like, it's because he's awesome. Like, he's great, you yeah. know? So, but like, people, it matters. Other, like, they have to know. The other thing I would, I would mention here, and this is coming from someone that bet Alex Caruso in preseason, so I understand <laughs> that I'm an idiot. Um, last year, total <laughs> points amongst the DPOI voting for non-bigs, I'm counting Giannis as a big here, uh, is 16, 19 points total between four players. OG got eight points. Drew Holiday got eight points. Alice Caruso got two points. Jimmy Butler got one. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. by comparison got 391. Brooke Lopez got 309. Evan Mobley already got 101. And Draymond got 34, just in a down year for the Warriors. So, you know, I, I, I kind of agree with you in terms of like he's got so much momentum behind him. But like to me, OG Anobi was so good last year, and I'm not an OG guy. Yeah, and he barely scratched it. So um, I think we can wait and maybe bet it if Rudy gets hurt. See how the narrative develops. I also think the the splitting it is tough there. Who's the third main name, Jim? Because you got we talked about Mitchell, Jaden. Who's the third? Kristaps, who honestly I put at when he was at 151, I like that number. At 51, I think it has moved a little bit too much already because I don't think he's going to win, and I'm not sure if he's going to get the credit for the Celtics defense. I to me, it was just a number, another number that that did not look to be totally right as a defense that's going to be in the top two or three at the end of the season. He's the big man for it, but he doesn't have the pedigree. He doesn't. He has lots of health question so it's probably my least favorite of the three but um i think it's kind of a fun one as the big man on a top defense at 50 to 1 it sucks that jason tatum's never gonna win he's got an encore right now of 98 yeah. tatum's an incredible so good. he's got like so like good. i said he's top three in in dpoi he's so good and he never gets credit for it i think of the three i think mitchell robinson's the one that we should play that's the one i think yeah. we should play for the long shot i agree let's put that on the on I the agree. a few more i want to talk about if you want to play something shorter, I will say that the more I've looked at it, Evan Mobley at plus 750 is probably the one of the top that I like the best. Cavs are going to be a top five defense. They are undeniably going to be better. Mobley's better this year. He is even better defensively. Um, Cavs are kind of shaking off that early early season part where they were without Allen and Garland and it looked like a mess, but the defense is still yeah. so good. 
Um, Mobley's individual metrics check out. His numbers are gonna are gonna track. He's gonna be, I think, within those kind of ranges. I'm not necessarily saying I'm gonna bet him now, but I do think that he probably has value here at plus seven fifty, Joe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that plus seven fifty is close. I, I might consider adding at least like a partial position on Mobley right now, just because I think that the Cavs, you know, kind of going back even to our best bets, right? Like we like the Cavs in part because they're whole. And as long as Allen is healthy, I think that that really, really helps the defense. It helps Mobley a lot. It's going to help their statistics. It's going to help their record. Um, and I, I, I think that it's only going to improve, you know, moving forward. Obviously, you don't want to bank on injuries or, you know, count them out. But the fact that Cleveland kind of held through it already and Mobley was there, I think that, you know, and his usage is still good. I think that he's going to have plenty of opportunity to kind of improve uh, over the rest of the season. So, plus 750 is not bad. Thoughts on Mobley? Jim? Yeah, ironically, I think my position on Mobley is kind of your guys' position on McDaniels. I don't see a world in which Mobley is a runaway favorite in this. So, I he is very much in the tier of I want to get more information for Jaron Jackson Jr., Mobley, and Gobert. The only other name that I want to make sure we touch on briefly, and to me, this is the player that if I, if you are a, I'm going to bet this once and sit on it all year, and I'm betting it today listening to to Buckets on November 13th, I think the best play is Joel Embiid at 20 to 1. That defense is going to be the defense is going to be up there. He looks outstanding. He looks the best he has looked. He he looks better than last year when he won his MVP. He's not going to get another MVP. So maybe the move goes to okay. We cannot we cannot give him another MVP. Which I am on record. You cannot give him another MVP. But that that defense is playing outstanding. He is playing outstanding basketball. You've said it, Matt. And at twenty to one, if you want one play today, I think that is the the, the one play to make. But I can tell the uh, the room the room does not agree. <laughs> just no way. Like, Jim Jim cape for Embiid and then had the playoffs happen <laughs> and didn't learn his lesson because like, no, I mean, I'm not saying MVP. Just um, okay. So J- Joel is playing awesome. He's been amazing. Okay, rebounding has been a real focus. They're playing really great. Another great win over the Pacers tonight. Like I think this team has a real verve. Uh, by the way, um, thoughts with with Kelly Oubre. Uh, after getting hit by a car, that sucks. Yeah, that's yeah, awful. terrible. Um, that's a pretty significant blow for them. That's actually going to hurt them, I think, more um, than folks realize. I, I think one of the problems here, Jim, is that one, I think he's going to have a hard time. He's not going to have the kind of like random blocks that Rudy gets just because Rudy is so much more active, right? And so teams just won't challenge him. And that's wise because like he's a really good rim protector. He's gotten better at perimeter oriented stuff, but he's not going to necessarily shine. I don't know how many games we're going to look at and go, man, Embiid just dominated on defense. He's just going to be really good every single night. Um, defense is too, it, it can either be positional or it could be playmaking. And I think Embiid's positionality defense is really is superb. I think his playmaking defense is a little short. I will say right now he's averaging more blocks per game than Rudy Gobert. Maybe not after tonight. Yeah. Gobert's got like five in the first half. <laughs> That's fair. It's very early in the season, but he's he's averaging. I think it's a it's either is it a career high. It's it's the highest since his rookie season for blocks per game two point three. Again, it's early. That that could change, but he does look. You know, again, I am truly I with with Embiid. I do keep falling for it over and over and over again. Um, but I do think he it looks the best he has looked in a long time. But my he, he my main push for Embiid. My push for Embiid MVP last season was a fully separate thing of a weird historical, you know, not wanting to give Jokic before he wins the title, which, you know, has aged very poorly, but I I maintain what I said last year. So I don't think that Embiid should be punished for for my (laughs) terrible takes from last year. 
my my restraint not cutting off your mic there. Um, so I'll say this: like, I just I, again, I have a hard time. Cut, I the if you want to say say like the Mobley runaway, my counter argument to that would be he got a hundred points last year. Like, I actually thought that Mobley wasn't great last year, and he still got so much credit. That's a big part of my cap on Mobley is that he I, I look at last year's performance voters want to give Mobley this award they think that he is incredible and I think this year he's actually been really great he's lived up to the reputation yeah so that to me is kind of part of that equation you mentioned you know the football like Lucy with the football and beat is Lucy with the football with you mm-hmm. um even though like if you bet and beat it cashed you know um the one for me is Bam out of bio uh Bam yeah. out of bio is averaging a career high in rebounds and blocks uh he's averaging career high in steals plus blocks so stocks the heater sixth in defense. He's the best defender in the NBA. I'll keep shouting it from the rooftops until someone listens to me. He's the best defender in the NBA. He's 16 to one. I'm going to bet it again. I'm going to lose money on it again. I'm just going to keep doing this, Joe. I will just keep betting Bama to bio and losing money. Cause no one realizes that the only reason this heat defense is any goddamn good is Bama to bio. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I think it's fair uh, to want to bet on Bam, but it's just, Miami might not be that good like either. So uh, like I know they're kind of like they're floating around, they're hanging in there, but like this Tyler Hero injury I think is like a really big deal. And especially if Bam has seen, Bam's actually seeing his highest offensive usage rate of his career. He's up yeah, 4%, that's he's that's at true. 28%. So I think it's like the offensive load that he's like having to carry this season, especially now, unless like Jaime Hawkins Jr. is like the second coming of Tyler Hero. Um, but like, you know, it's I think it's just a big ask for him to perform that well on both ends of the floor and like not see like any type of hit defensively. Um, so I, I struggle to see it and I just struggle to see Miami like kind of sticking around. Um, and I think that they might kind of be in that scenario where it's like they're not that good. Um, and then people kind of look at it and they're like, well, are we sure we want to give it to Bam when the, there's these other guys that are, you know, the teams are better or or whatever the circumstances? Yeah, that's a good quite that's a good point. Like if the Wolves finish with uh 50 plus wins and the Heat get to 43. Yeah. Right. Like, like go bear or Jade McDaniels is going to yeah. win that award. Yeah, like like the right. like if I was going to pick a player from like a team that's kind of in that like range right where it's like maybe they're in the play-in or like they're like a six seed or something like that i i'm looking at the brooklyn nets and i'm looking at nick claxton at like 50 to one um claxton's awesome you know he got a couple votes uh last year um for for what for the all defensive team you know and i think he's one of those players that's like super impactful the name is there he gets a lot of blocks a lot of blocks and he's somebody that is recognizable he plays in brooklyn and this team like i think the defense is actually going to be pretty legit claxton historically throughout his career has been a positive on the defensive side of the floor um He's like automatic on betting like over one and a half, two and a half blocks. Um, And I think that Brooklyn, you know, they kind of struggle offensively, but that same personnel that struggles offensively is elite defensively. Like if Simmons is healthy, Claxton's healthy, that is so much length, so much switchability between those two and then Bridges that this team, I think when healthy could have like very easily like a top eight defense um, and Claxton could really be at the front of it. He had a plus 2.7 defensive EPM last year, 97th percentile. So he's legit. He has the pedigree uh, and, you know, he plays the right position, I think, to kind of win this award. 
I love I that the Wizards. Joe is such an NBA Sorry. sicko that he just enlisting pros for Nick's Claxton said the name is there. You have to be so deep in the NBA to think that like the the name value of Nick Claxton is a pro. But I love it, Joe. That's that's a sicko comment. That's right, though. Uh, I bet the Wizards Nets over yesterday, and then got the notification before the game that Nick Claxton was playing, and I was like, oh fuck. And what do you know? <laughs> 85.5 defensive rating went on court for Nick Claxton in his first game back. Um, yeah. The one I will mention is Scotty Barnes, uh, which I've been for most improved player. I, look, the steals and blocks are there. The Raptors are a top 10 defense. This guy's a beast, man. Like he, sh- he pops every time that you watch him. Uh, he's an elite defender that can guard one through five. Right. And the Raptors have a bunch of those dudes. And that's part of why they're good defensively is they have a bunch of those dudes. But Barnes really stands out to me. And it wouldn't necessarily shock me, like if the Raptors were to to really surge and, and stay competitive. Now, like part of this is every time that they run up against like a serious team, they are screwed. Like they are absolutely screwed every time they run up against a serious team. But like the defense holds. You know, their big problem is like they struggle when they run up against good defenses that can just like hold down their offense into the forties. But like they ran it up on the Mavericks terrible defense because they just got stops and ran and got stops and ran and got stops and ran. Uh, that'll give them enough team success. I actually think Scotty Barnes is, uh, has a little bit of value here at 25 to one. I think it might bet that. So we're going to put in Mitchell Robinson in the app on the buckets podcast. We're going to put that one in. Um, what have I done with my life? By the way, uh, RJ Barrett <laughs> has uh, the best defensive rating of anybody on the Knicks. That's like the guy that's like standing out. And he has the highest differential between on and off court. Um, He's so been amazing this title. season. Knicks are winning the title. <laughs> Knicks are winning the title. <laughs> Knicks um, versus Wolves. Unfortunately, I'll say, well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because there's a lot of talk that uh, that that could be a way more interesting matchup than it appears right now. But that's a story for another time. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Make sure to check out all the great stuff on YouTube.com slash The Action Network. Download The Action Network app. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, and our video team, including Hutton Jackson, getting this up on YouTube. We'll see you guys again tomorrow for Tuesday Best Bets. My thanks to the Jays for joining me. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.